and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God in me. Tonight, through the grace of God, we will study chapter 10 from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. As you know, the false teachers accused St. Paul with many false accusations and also they cast doubt on his authority and on his apostleship. That's why in this chapter St. Paul returns to his own defense to defend his conduct and also his authority. Regarding his conduct, they accused him that his letters are harsh, but when he is present among them, he is weak. So St. Paul in verse 1 and 2, he pleaded with them in the meekness and gentleness of Christ in order to accept his defense so that when he goes to there he wouldn't have to use severity or his authority with them. So he was pleading with them in meekness in order to avoid use, using boldness in their presence, especially against the false teachers. The false teachers who accused him that he is walking according to the flesh, meaning that he is using uh, carnal weapons and also he is using worldly motives. So St. Paul at the beginning, he told them, let us try to finish this in meekness and gentleness. Let us try to finish through letters. Because when I come and visit, I don't want to use boldness. I do not want to use severity with the false teachers who are accusing me that I am walking according to the flesh and not to the spirit. St. Paul, he said, yes, I admit, well, I am still in the battle, but in spite of this, I don't war according to the flesh, because our, spirit, our weapons are not carnal, but spiritual and mighty in the Lord. And then actually he addressed the other point that the false teachers accused him, with that his physical presence was weak. And St. Paul told them, my authority is the same, whether in word, when I am absent, or in presence, when I am among you. If I use gentleness and meekness before, this doesn't mean I do not have authority to use my authority as an apostle in the Lord with you 
to discipline and to rebuke the false teachers. And he told them or pleaded with them not to push him to use his authority to discipline and to rebuke the false teachers. Then actually St. Paul said, these false teachers, when they evaluate themselves, they do two things. Number one, they set the measure. So they measure themselves by themselves. And number two, they compare themselves by themselves, not with those who are superior to them. So because they are setting the measure for themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are unwise. This is a very unwise practice. Because a person should measure himself or evaluate himself according to the measure of God, not according to the measure that I set. And when I compare myself, I should compare myself with those who are better than me or with the model of our Lord Jesus Christ. And St. Paul, again, uh, asked them to help him in preaching the gospel beyond Korah, in the region beyond Korah. All this conflict and tension will actually hinder him from preaching the gospel beyond Korah. So he's asking him, and he has hope that they will assist him in preaching the gospel beyond Korah. And finally, he admonished them to boast only in the Lord, not to boast in themselves or in others' work, but to boast in the Lord. Because he who commends himself is not approved, but he who is commended by the Lord is the approved one. Not those who commend themselves are the approved, but those who are commended by the Lord are the approved. This is actually a summary to the chapter, but now we'll start studying verse by verse. Verse 1. Now I call myself and leading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And actually, in the first chapter and in verse chapter, St. Paul did not mention himself alone, but he mentioned himself with his fellow workers, with Timothy and Apollos. But here St. Paul actually doesn't mention any of his fellow workers. He said, I call myself and leading with you. In the beginning, he spoke in plural, but now he's using the singular. And actually, he's using a tone of severity. We may wonder why. Since the opposition and the false accusation were directed to him personally, 
That's why he's speaking in the singular form. Starting to defend himself. But while he is defending himself, and while he is using a severe tone, he is trying to keep the balance between severity and the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He doesn't want that severity will overtake him to lose his meekness and his gentleness. That's why he said, now I call myself and pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold toward you. St. Paul is telling them or reminding them with the accusation. You are saying that in presence I am lowly among you. When I am present, actually I am weak. But in act, when I am absent, I was harsh toward you and bold toward you. His opponents said that he was very gentle and very kind when he was at Corinth. But after he left Corinth and he heard about the person who committed sexual immorality, and sinned with his father's wife. Actually, St. Paul sent them a very uh, harsh letter, and he excommunicated this man, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So they, they are saying and accusing him that while he writes the letter, he is very bold, harsh, but in presence he is lowly and meek. Verse 2, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. St. Paul is bringing another accusation here. They accused him that he is humble and weak when present and bold when he is absent. But there is another accusation that he is walking according to the flesh. And walking according to the flesh means he is led by worldly motives. So St. Paul is telling them, when I come, I have confidence that I can use my authority and be bold and be harsh with those who think of me as if I am walking according to the flesh. But I am begging you, I am pleading with you that you repent so that when I come to you, I don't use this boldness. I don't want my visit to you will be a harsh one in which I am bold and I am severe with these uh, false teachers. So he's asking them that he, when he comes, he may not have to exercise that boldness, which he feels that 
he might use to admonish some of the opponent if they did not repent because they accused him that he is led by worldly motives. Verse 3. He is responding now to the second accusation by saying, For though, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In order not to get distracted, there are two accusations. The first accusation, his presence is weak, but when he is absent, he is woe. Second accusation, he is walking according to the flesh. Now, actually, he is defending the second accusation by saying, although I am still in the body, although I am still in the flesh, but I do not use carnal weapons in my warfare. I do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He told them, our enemy is not a carnal enemy. Our enemy is Satan and all his soldiers. And since our enemy is not a carnal being, but a spiritual being, so our weapons of warfare are spiritual, are not carnal. These weapons are strong in God, who give us the power and the authority to overcome all the difficulties, to overcome all the obstacles, to pull down strongholds, and actually to defeat our enemy, the devil. Our Weapons are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strong poles. And this actually gives us hope. Many of us think that our repentance is difficult. We fall in the same sin over and over and over. We cannot defeat sins in our life. The reason here, because we are not putting on the whole armor of God. Or maybe we are using carnal weapons, not spiritual weapons. If you are captive to a certain sin, if you are like captive in one of these strongholds of Satan, actually, if you use your spiritual weapons, these spiritual weapons are mighty in God and able to pull down uh, to pull down strongholds and to release you from the captivity of Satan. Verse 5. The spiritual weapons are not only powerful and mighty to pull down strongholds, but also verse 5 casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The spiritual weapons, the, the word of God, the prayer, the sacraments of the church, the spiritual reading, all these spiritual weapons are able actually 
to destroy all the vain reasoning and all the human philosophy against the knowledge of God, casting down arguments, any argument against the knowledge of God could be destroyed by the spiritual weapons, casting down arguments, casting every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God. Any ideology, any philosophy, any human wisdom that exalts itself and make a barrier against the knowledge of God, actually our spiritual weapons can destroy all this. Not only that, but bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Instead of being captives by our thoughts, now by using the spiritual weapons, we will be able to take every thought attacks me as captive to the obedience of Christ, which means I can overcome all the evil thoughts. I can overcome all the blaspheming thoughts, any thought casting doubt on God, any thought casting doubt on the scripture. By, spirit, by using the spiritual weapons, I am able to do three things. Number one, to pull down a stronghold, to release myself from the captivity of sin. Number two, to destroy all argument and all philosophy against the, uh, the knowledge of God. Number three, to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. To bring the faculty of the mind into the obedience of Christ by overcoming all the blaspheming and evil thoughts. Verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Not only the spiritual weapons are able to pull down strongholds and also to destroy every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Number four, the spiritual weapons are also ready and enable the disciples, the apostles, and those who are in authority to punish all the disobedience. So St. Paul is telling them, I have the authority, I have the sacrament of the priesthood by which I can punish all the disobedience in Corinth. But he said, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does it mean when your obedience is fulfilled. St. Paul said, I will give you a time in order to repent. So when the faithful will give proof of obedience, when your obedience is fulfilled, then I will come and discipline and rebuke and punish only the disobedience. So is the disobedient. So if I am waiting, I am waiting lest 
I punish the innocent with the guilt. If I am waiting, I am waiting to give you opportunity to show me your obedience in order to know who is obedient and who is not, who is faithful and who is not. And after your obedience is fulfilled, I will use the spiritual weapons to punish the unfaithful and the disobedient. So in this verse, St. Paul mentioned four things about the spiritual weapons. Number one, able to pull down strongholds, which means to release me from the captivity of sin. Number two, to cast down arguments against the knowledge of God. Number three, to bring every soul into the obedience of Christ. Number four, to punish the disobedient and the unfaithful. So now St. Paul responded completely to the accusation that he is walking according to the flesh. And he told them, no, yes, I'm still living in the flesh, but I am not walking in the, according to the flesh, and I'm not using carnal weapons, but spiritual weapons. Verse 7. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. St. Paul is asking them, does any one of you judge the apostle of Christ, the minister of Christ, the servant of Christ, by his person or by the outward circumstances? How do you evaluate us? That's why he told them, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Because when I came to you, I was gentle and kind. Does this mean that I have no authority and I'm not a true apostle? This judgment is according to the outward appearance. Actually, I was kind and gentle with you to give you opportunity to repent. So now actually are using this to say that I'm not apostle? Let me tell you. If anyone is convinced that he is a servant of Christ or belonging to Christ, actually, let him know. And I'm saying this now gently because I come and punish him and I show him my authority to learn that I am also an apostle of Christ. So let him learn it by himself before I will come and convince him by a severer method, by the discipline and punishment, that we are belonging to Christ. If the false teachers claim to be Christ, I am also have the equal claim. I am also belonging to Christ. Verse 8. For even if I should boast, Somewhat, 
more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. He's telling them, if you want to compare my privileges and my authority, which was given to me by God, I will not be ashamed. If you want to evaluate me, not according to the outward appearance, but if you use a right measure to evaluate me, to examine my ministry, to examine my service, to examine the fruits of my preaching, I will not be ashamed. And I want to tell you why I was gentle. Because the authority that God gave me, it is given for edification and not for destruction. I understand that this authority was given to me to save and edify and not to destruct, to, to destroy. And this is actually a, a, a teaching to all of us. If you are an authority, whether in a church, as a clergy or some school servant or a deacon coordinator or in any capacity, if you are an authority at your, at your house, as parents or as a husband, if you have authority at your work, as a manager or a leader, or in any capacity, you should learn that God gives you the authority for edification and not for destruction. Many people actually, they abuse their authority. And instead of edifying the people, they destroy them. But St. Paul was very aware that this authority was given to him for edification and not for destruction. That's why he told them, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. So now he is actually defending the first accusation, why he was kind, why he looked like weak or has no authority, because he's trying to help them, to save them. Uh, he doesn't want to discipline and punish and excommunicate, but he wants to save them and help them. Verse 9. Lest I seem to terrify you by letters. He is saying, I am saying this, lest I should seem like a parent terrifying his children with empty threats, but without action. You know how a parent sometimes may yell at his son or daughter and threaten them, but when it comes to reality, they do nothing. St. Paul is saying, now actually, I want you to know that these are not empty threats. I'm not sending you a letter just to terrify you. But I want you to know, and I'm very serious, if I come this time, those who are disobedient and unfaithful, I will punish and I will discipline. Lest I seem to terrify you by letters, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech 
content. He's reminding them with the accusation. Uh, many of you say that there was no authority in his manner. When actually I am present among you, I am kind, meek, gentle. <coughs> Meanwhile, the false teachers in presence, they speak with authoritarian language. But St. Paul told them, no. Actually, this time when I come, I will come and I will show you my authority in Christ. I want you to notice in verse 10, for his letters, and use the plural here. Uh, although this is the second letter, actually all the scholars said there was another letter before the second letter sent to Corinthians, but this letter was lost. So actually, we have the first letter and then the second letter, but in between these two letters, there is a missing letter that he sent to them, but uh, unfortunately, it was not uh, saved for us. Verse 11, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. So he's telling them, let all who make such accusation about me know that when I come this time, I will be in presence exactly like my words, exactly like my letters. You say my letters are strong, harsh, might, weighty, powerful. When I come this time, I want you to know that my presence will be exactly the same. Verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Many times St. Paul used army or sarcasm. And actually, in this verse, when he said, for we dare not, he's saying, I do not dare to class myself or compare myself with the false teacher who commend myself. Is using his sarcasm or irony by saying, I cannot dare, I do not dare to associate myself, to class myself, or to compare myself with these so false teachers who commend and praise themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, the tone changed from irony into seriousness. He said, these false teachers, instead of measuring themselves by the public standard or according to the law of God, they measure themselves by the measure made by themselves. So, for example, I say the quality of the servant should be so and so and so and so, then I evaluate myself and I say, now I am good according to this standard, I am, I, am, I am perfect. So they measure themselves by themselves. And when they compare themselves, they compare themselves to one another, not to others who excel them, 
or the other who are superior to them. But they com compare themselves to those who are similar to them or uh, inferior to them. And although they claim to be wise, but by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves, they prove to be unwise. Because this is a very unwise practice to make the measure, to evaluate myself and compare myself to those who are similar to me or inferior to me. Verse 15. We, however, will not boast beyond the measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. St. Paul actually is coming to a third accusation. The third, first accusation is that his letters are strong, but his presence are weak. Second accusation, he walks according to the flesh. Third accusation, that St. Paul actually extended himself beyond the measure, beyond the sphere that God appointed for him. For example, if a priest is responsible on a certain city, if he goes beyond this city as if he extended himself beyond the area which was appointed to him by God. And actually, they said when St. Paul went to Corinth, he extended himself beyond the area that God appointed for him. He extended himself beyond the sphere which God appointed for him. So St. Paul is telling them, we, however, will not boast beyond the measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So he's saying two things. Number one, we will not boast beyond the measure. We will not boast beyond the measure means I will not actually uh, evaluate myself and say I am perfect because I am making the measures, I am making the standards which I examine myself. There is no limit to one's high opinion of himself as long as he measures himself by himself and does not compare himself with his superior. So St. Paul is saying, I will not do this. I will not boast beyond the measure. I will not say I am so and so and so and so, and in reality, I am not all of these things. So I will not boast beyond measure. And number two, I will not extend myself beyond my boundaries, beyond my limit, beyond the sphere which God appointed for me to preach the gospel and to labor for the gospel. We will not like them boastingly extend ourselves beyond our boundary and our uh, limits. Because St. Paul's measure is the appointment of God. God appointed to him a certain sphere in which he should preach the gospel and St. Paul respected this. As I told you, the false teachers, the Judaizers, 
since that St. Paul had exceeded his authority in coming to Corinth. And actually, he went to Corinth based on the appointment of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, verse 9, you will see that the Holy Spirit actually moved them to go and preach the gospel in Europe. And the apostles told them in the Council of Jerusalem that Peter will be an apostle for the Jews and Paul will be an apostle to the Gentiles. And Corinth is a Gentile city. So actually, when he went to Corinth, he went according to the appointment of God and the Holy Spirit. In Romans, St. Paul made it very clear that his way of preaching, he never went to a place where somebody preached before him. It was St. Paul's way to preach only where no one before him had preached the gospel. And he mentioned this clearly in his letter to the Romans. Verse 14. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though our authority did not extend to you. He said, when we came to you, you are part of our authority. This sphere includes you. So when we came to you, we did not overextend ourselves, as if our authority did not include you or did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. It was to you that God sent me to preach the gospel. Verse 15. Not boasting of things beyond the measure, that is, in others' men labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. He is saying, I'm not boasting in others people or other apostles' service. For example, Peter preached in an area and then I come and claim that I preached in this area and I take the credit. No, I am not boasting of things beyond measure, meaning in other men's labor, like the false teachers. Because St. Paul founded the, the church at Corinth, but the false teacher said, we founded the church at Corinth. So St. Paul is saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not preaching. I'm not boasting in others' man's labor. Actually, my hope was, if your faith is increasing and you are steadfast in your faith, then actually I will go beyond Corinth to preach the gospel into other cities of the Gentiles outside Corinth. But now because of all these problems and because of all this tension, as if you are hindering me from going beyond the sphere of Corinth. That's why he said, but having to hope that as your faith is increased, if your faith is growing, we shall be greatly enlarged. I'm speaking here about the sphere of preaching will be greatly enlarged by you when you help me in our sphere. So we'll go beyond the Corinth. His hope was that his success at Corinth and the support of this church 
there will enable him to carry the gospel beyond Corinth. To preach the gospel in the region beyond Corinth where no man has yet preached. Verse 16. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. So this was my hope. I wanted to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. And not to boast in another man's fear of accomplishment. I will not boast actually in the accomplishment of another apostle. As I told you, I, I, I will not claim that I preached this city while this city was preached by St. Peter or St. John or St. Matthew. So I refuse to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Verse 17, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. St. Paul is quoting from Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 23. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. This is a quote from Jeremiah 11:23. And actually, he is giving here the true rule of boasting. Actually, we boast only in God. We don't boast in our accomplishment on ourselves, but as written in Jeremiah, let the Lord be our boast, our glory, for we are nothing. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Verse 18, the last verse of this chapter, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. If you praise yourself, this doesn't mean you are approved. But only if God commends you, if God praise you, you will be approved. The false teachers, actually, they were posting in another man's accomplishment. They were posting in Korans as if they preached Korans, although St. Paul is the one who preached Korans. And actually, St. Paul is giving them advice. And this advice actually is beneficial for every servant, for every disciple, for every deacon, for every clergy, for every preacher. Let our work and life speak for us, not our lips. We should not praise ourselves. We should not commend ourselves. And he said, not he who commends himself is approved. Approved means the one who will stand the test of the final trial. The one who will be approved in the final day. The one who will stand at the uh, test of faith or in the spiritual warfare. If you say I'm strong, I can stand all the attacks of Satan. This will not commend you. But what will commend you if God said yes, you are uh, uh, worthy, or you are approved, or you are strong, or you are spiritual. So the approved one is the one commended by the Lord, or uh, praised by the Lord, not the one who praised himself. Glory be to God forever and ever.